0: My name is Matt, and uh, it is a privilege to be sharing with you this morning, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, so if you would, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and to get us started, would you just bow your heads and pray with me as we invite God into this message time? Father, I just pause at this moment to thank you for your word, to thank you for who you are, and to thank you for what you are doing in this season. Lord, I I thank you for um, the peace that you offer that we're going to talk about today. Lord, I pray for peace over every individual here this morning, and Lord, as you speak to us through your word, may our hearts be open to what you have for us. In your name I pray, amen. Well, as I said, um, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and in my opinion, this is the most Christmassy chapter of the Bible, and I get to preach on it. Um, In my family, um, we memorize and recite Luke 2. Does anybody else do that? Can you do it? Oh, come on. That's a challenge for you this Christmas. Now, um, I probably couldn't do it perfectly, but if you don't know the Christmas story that we refer to as kind of the nativity, anybody have a nativity set in your house? Okay. So um, I could point out the all the unbiblical things about your nativity set probably. No, I'm just teasing, but nobody has halos. Okay, just so you know, but... um When we look at that picture, we think of what is described in Luke chapter two. And let me just catch you up from verse one. So Mary and Joseph, the angel has appeared to both of them, first to Mary, then to Joseph, and told them that the baby that Mary is carrying is literally the son of God. Jesus Christ would be the Messiah that was promised by the Old Testament prophets. And he was to be called Jesus and he was to save of the world from sin, and they're on this journey uh, that's required by Roman law from their hometown town of Nazareth down to Bethlehem to register or to be taxed, and and so they're getting in and we kind of picture it late at night and there's no place for them to stay and they end up out in this barn slash cave probably where animals are kept and that's where Jesus is born and it's literally um, like almost completely unnoticed by the rest of the world. But in verse 8, we, the, the narrative shifts in verse 8 and it, and it tells a different part of the story. And there it says in verse eight, it says in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And by the way, shepherds were kind of the lowest class of people in Jewish culture. They were not thought of as really highly educated or very important. They served a necessary duty, but they were just sort of kind of, yeah, they're, they're just the shepherds. That was kind of how they were thought of. But the angel of the Lord appeared to them and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he, with whom he is pleased. You know, when I read that passage, I think of the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 and we actually just heard a song that captured some of the phrasing of these verses in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. It's going to be on the screen as well. For to you a child is born, to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace goes on in verse seven, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You know, when we think of peace, what do you envision? What do you envision? Maybe around Christmas time, it's like the perfect family setting around the Christmas tree. Everybody's smiling, laughing. The presents are there. They're being opened and there's absolutely no crying. There's absolutely no dissatisfaction. It's just a picture perfect moment. Can I get an amen from all the parents, right? That's exactly how it goes every year, right? But when we think of this picture of of peace and tranquility, I like what the Advent readers talked about. They described peace as unbrokenness. And this is what is promised. We've just read in Luke 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And then we read in Isaiah where it says, Christ came to be a prince of peace and he will establish peace and there will be no end to peace. And yet we look around our world and it feels unpeaceful. It is unpeaceful. It's broken. It is not whole. Whole. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, well, this Christmas, this holiday is just reminding me of all the things that I wish were different. And if there is peace out there, it doesn't reside in my heart. It doesn't reside in my home. It doesn't reside in my life. It doesn't reside in my work. I have no sense of peace. Or maybe there is some peace there, but it's just not exactly how you want it to be or wish it was. And here we read in the scriptures that Jesus promises us wholeness, unbrokenness. So, what's going on? Well, I want to look at this idea uh, with you today. And I first want to just declare and just remind you that no matter whether, no, no matter if people are, are believers in God, Christians walking with Christ or not, we all value peace. We value peace with God. I would submit to you that even non-Christians want to be at peace with, quote unquote, the universe. Okay, and so um, there's this idea that um, we all should be a part of it. Eleanor Roosevelt says this, it is not enough to talk about peace, one must believe in it, and it isn't enough to believe in it, one must work at it. And so we understand that there's some kind of responsibility placed on us. There's other famous people. Gandhi said this, peace is its own reward. Albert Einstein said, peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Ronald Reagan said, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. Donald Walter said, you find you will find peace not by trying to escape your problems, but by confronting them courageously. Here's are people from all walks of life and all different uh, times and points in history and yet we're all talking, they were all talking about peace. It is something that we value. It's something we, we strive for and yet it seems to be outside of our grasp so often. You know, in, in the scriptures, we, the, the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language and God's chosen people were the Jewish and are the Jewish people. Their formal greeting is peace be unto you or shalom. Here in the United States, here in Western modern day culture, how do we greet each other? How you doing? Right? How are you? Um, We don't probably say peace be unto you, but that's what we mean, right? We are interested in how the other person's world is set. I learned that um, in Hispanic culture, they say, I'm gonna butcher this, but it's something like along the lines of salute, salute or whatever, I don't know. But it means cheers or good health. In other words, I hope you are doing well. How many times at the, around the holidays do we clink the glass together and we get that sparkling cider with our kids and when, like, when we clink it at like the New Year's, my kids love to say cheers, right? And what, what are we saying? we're saying, we're referring to the state of life that we're in. We want to be healthy. We want to be happy. We want to be filled with peace. We talk about it all the time, whether we we realize it or not. We long for peace and Christ has promised it, but we've lost it. And I believe that at least in three areas, we long for there to be wholeness. And there's probably more, but I believe that we long to be right with God. This is the first and most important area in which peace is promised, but we long to be right with God. And even if we have no desire to follow him, to be in relationship with him, he's bigger than us. Can I say it that way? And there's an element of fear that if we have a concept of God, someone who is out there that we may stand before one day, maybe at one point, we hope that he looks on us with love and mercy, even those who would say, I don't believe there's a God, I, I'm an atheist, or I don't think that it's possible to know there is a God. There is this sense that the people of, of this belief system or worldview, they wanna be right with, quote unquote, the universe. They don't want to, to mess up um, the order in which we should be living. We all have a sense of goodness and justice stamped within our hearts that, should, that is pushing us towards what I would maybe describe as utopia we would maybe think of it as believers as, as heaven. The second area, I believe that people long for peace and tranquility is in their relationships. Even the hermit, the most introverted person, the recluse needs and longs for somebody who loves them and cares for them and is proud of them. And we have a, a desire hardwired, hardwired within us to, to love people, to be in family, to be in community with friends and those who, are, who care for us and those who love us. And by the way, this is good for our health. There have been studies done all across the globe that one of the things that contributes to long lasting life is to be in a community of people that care for you, that help you meet your everyday needs and are there for you when you go through difficulty. And we all are enriched by healthy relationship. But when there is no peace in our homes or our families or our workplaces and there's tension instead, how does that make us feel? Nobody's real happy about it. When there's tension, when there's awkwardness, or worse, when there's animosity, it can, it can almost control your life, It can control your emotions because it's just this insurmountable, unavoidable problem that you don't know how to deal with. And every time that person or those people walk into the room or you find yourself in the same kind of area, there's tension there. And it's no, it's no fun at all. And so we long for peace in our relationships. And then I'm not, um, I, don't, I didn't plan to say it this way. So I'm not a, A Miss America pageant girl, but um, we all want world peace, right? (laughs) Maybe you were confused. Um, Just thought I'd clear that up. But (laughs) we look across our globe and we wish things were different. We wish there was no war. We wish there was agreement in our governments and in our and in 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 our nations. And we wish there was um, peaceful transaction of trade and, and, and the sharing of resources. And there's all this angst and we don't always have the right answer because I don't know about you, but I've had a few opinions in years gone by that turned out to be wrong. I know that's shocking, but I've been wrong before. And like I've grown and learned and, and read and and gained some understanding. And I don't agree with myself that um, that existed 10 years ago. Or maybe there's just complexity to the problems and we don't have the answers to them. And so we look at these things that are surrounding us and even touching our everyday lives. And we're, we know it's not right. We know it could be better. We know it should be better, but often we don't know what to do about it. And if we do know something to do, to do then there's somebody standing right there as a critic saying, nope, you're, you're wrong. You're, you're going about it the wrong way. And it can be disarming and frustrating. But I would still submit to you that we don't give up the pursuit of peace. In fact, um, there's a really cool picture. In fact, I shared it in the email that went out this week. And I know my story was a little long, but there was this picture in that email and I'd like to share it with you this morning. This is a really cool picture. This is... Taken during uh, World War I in the year 1914. See, what happened was uh, Europe was thrown into the First World War, and I'm not gonna go into all the historical reasons on why, but basically what you need to know is that around Christmas time, 1914, the Germans were entrenched on one side, and the Allied troops, French and British soldiers, were entrenched on the, on the other side. And there was this area in between they literally called No Man's Land because day after day there were charges and assaults, attacks, counterattacks trying to break through the other army's line. But as Christmas approached, without really an announcement or anything formal, there was just sort of like a, a, a knowing ceasefire. Like nobody wanted to fight on Christmas Eve. And along parts of the Western Front, the shooting and the, and the, and the fighting began to diminish. And On Christmas Eve, there was even some shouting from German soldiers over to British soldiers and vice versa, and they could communicate a little bit. And there was sort of this agreement like, hey, tomorrow on Christmas day, no fighting. Now this didn't happen on every single part of the line, but there were parts of the Western front that had a total ceasefire on Christmas day. And then even some of the soldiers began to venture out of their trenches and they began to to wave and to to communicate with the other side. And eventually there was a coming together again with groups of soldiers where they even actually started playing football with each other. In spite of their disagreements and in spite of literal war happening, these soldiers longed for wholeness. They longed for unity, they longed for peace. And I think that as we think about this concept, we have some basic options. Like sometimes I feel like we feel so helpless. We're like, well, it's not possible. I'm just going to throw my hands up and quit. I'm going to just remove myself. It's not my problem. It's their problem. Now I'm just going to kind of move on. And then there's times where we dig our, 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 we roll up our sleeves and we dig in and we begin to strive for what we think is right. And we get discouraged along the way and Maybe we're maybe we succeed in some level, and then maybe we're defeated. But then there's just another round that comes to us, and we're like, "What are we to do?" Well, I want to um, talk about the problem first and foremost of peace, because I think helping us understand what the problem is will help us find a solution. First of all. Um, yes, there is a problem of peace. And biblically speaking, this began with the fall of man. See, God intended for us to live in wholeness and unity with him. But due to the sin of, of Adam, due to the sin of humanity, our own rebellion, peace was lost. Relationship with God Was lost, and so biblically speaking, the order of the earth and humanity was disrupted and diseased by sin. Peace was ruined, and we have been on a journey individually and collectively ever since to reclaim it. Now, there is also what I would call the natural view. That's the biblical view. Here's what maybe would be the natural view where. We take God out of the picture. And so often in our culture, God is removed. And here's how maybe some people think of this problem of peace. The order of earth has been imperfect for all of time, yet we still have a responsibility to keep it moving theoretically towards utopia. And one biblical view, uh, the one view, the biblical view says, God makes it possible. We've ruined it. What, do we, what can we do to reclaim it? The other view says it's never existed, but maybe somehow in our own strength, we can get there. And to both groups of people, I would say, God himself has promised peace. There is the promise of peace. And that's the second part in your note. See, the peace with God and one another is fundamental to the promises found in the Old Testament regarding Israel. Isaiah talks about when the spirit would come, he would reign as a sign of the new age. And in doing so, he would create righteousness and peace. God has future plans of peace for his people, Jeremiah 29. Peace will characterize the new temple, Haggai 2, and Jerusalem in Jeremiah. The inhabitants of Jerusalem will love truth and peace, according to Zechariah. And see, God has promised Peace And and Solomon talked about it during the dedication of the temple, and he he prayed for peace. It wasn't fully realized, but they, they longed for it. I mentioned Isaiah already, but he again puts an emphasis on the future peace that's possible with God, and he's pointing to the coming of Christ. And Jesus embodies peace. He is peace. And so the, the peace that was promised to Israel and that is promised to us is not one that's political in nature, societal in nature. It is one that I would say is messianic. And that's the third, the third part of your note. See, when we long for peace, it's often where, where we want all of our problems uh, kind of removed. We want an easy path in front of us. But the peace that God has promised is specifically what I would call a messianic peace. Here's what messianic peace is. It is the work of Christ accomplished through his death on the cross and the resurrection um, that proved his love and power for us once and for all making it possible for us to be restored back to God. So remember, peace was lost due to our sin, but Christ is the answer. Romans 5.1 says that we can have peace with God. Jesus' death abolished the law that, that declared you and I guilty. You've probably heard of or seen a list of the Ten Commandments. And if I were to list them out and we were to be honest with ourselves, we've broken most all of them. And the Bible is clear that if we are in sin, if we have rebelled, that relationship, that connection, that communion with God is lost, but Christ is the answer. See, so often we try, to, we try to restore ourselves back to God through our own efforts. And I wanna remind you today that that is impossible. There is nothing you and I can do to pay for the debt that we owe. that that pays for our sin, that somehow absolves us or washes it away. We can't give enough money. We can't serve enough hours. We can't attend enough church services. It can't be attained in our own strength. No matter how good of a person we are outside of these four walls, it is not enough to pay the price for sin. Christ alone paid that for us. And that is why Luke says, it is good news you guys like good deals? You guys like good deals? Anybody like bad deals? Like you love getting ripped off? Like who, who enjoys going to buy something that's absolutely necessary and walking out the store knowing you paid double or more for that item? No, you want to pay as little as possible to get the most value possible. And here's the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ said, you cannot pay the price but I've already done so. And he offers us communion, relationship, peace, wholeness, unbrokenness in a spiritual sense. And it can be ours. The scripture says it's through faith. All we have to do is to trust that that is real and that he really does offer that, believe in him. And it says that we have access to peace with God. That seems too easy. It seems too good to be true. But that's what the scriptures say. And Jesus promised us that. In fact, his work is central to everything I'm saying here today. Christians can experience peace when, you, when we trust in and grow in our faith and relationship with Christ. And as I've already said, We've lost it, we've lost peace, it's our fault. It's not God's fault, it's our rebellion. And, and the truth of peace is just what I just talked about. It's the gospel, it's the good news. And, and not only is peace with God valuable and, and offered, it's, it, it's attainable. I was um, talking with a, a friend recently and actually we were just sitting there watching football. Can I just be real? That's what we were doing, okay? And there was a conversation going on in the background that him and I weren't really having, but there was um, some that, someone that, we, that our family knew was going through a really rough time. And there was a sense of like, how can we help? What can we do? How can we pray for them? That kind of thing. And I just had this thought that life is really awful when we just sin. (laughs) When we break the law of God, when we pursue our own way, when we say, I know best, I'm going to do what I want to do. And we may not say it that way, but that's what our actions bear out life ends up going pretty poorly. In fact, I haven't met a lot of people who are really satisfied with their distance from God. And I'm not gonna like start listing off all kinds of do's and don'ts. I wanna let the Holy Spirit just kind of speak to you, but I want so badly for you and I want this for myself, I want to walk a path that is filled with joy and I want to walk a path that's filled with with a sense of health. I want to walk a path that is rich in community and relationship with other people. And I have just found that God's way makes all the difference. My obedience and willingness to trust him and to do it his way has way better results than my own efforts and my own ways and my own, my own thinking. And again, I'm not interested in, in, in listing off a bunch of things that you should do or shouldn't do or I shouldn't do or whatever. But to walk a path of peace, to walk a path of joy starts with the idea that God's way is not only right and good, but it's better than ours. It's better. And I get that we are, and I've said this before, I get that we live in an instant gratification kind of world. We have Pop-Tarts, that's a literal food we can go buy, okay? Like it can be ready in 30 seconds. And we have toasters and microwaves and everything. Like, do you understand how, the automobile changed the course of history. Like it, I was hiking in the mountains recently. I can't imagine doing that in a wagon. Like I was just like, how did people cross the mountains with like horses and on foot? Like we fly in jet airplanes in one day across the entire nation. We are so used to expediency and, and speed In fact, when your phone is buffering, when you're scrolling through Instagram and it's loading slow, you're frustrated, admit it. You're like, why is it taking so long? It's a whole half a second till that picture loads. The internet used to load a picture by lines. Like it used to listen, and then like, it slowly worked down and like, you'd finally see, oh, it's a tiger, okay, like. You're communicating with space. Like it's like going to a satellite and coming back in like an instant. And we're like, oh, it took two seconds. This service is terrible. I'm switching to T-Mobile or Verizon or whatever. I'm, I'm right there with you. I get all of that. But often the peace that God wants us to have in our lives takes time. It means putting in some effort. It means putting in some work. It means walking down a path that is a little bit lonelier and people may look at your life and say, why are you doing it that way? Why do you have to be so honest? Or why do you have to have so much integrity? Or why, why can't you cut some corners or why can't you? And you're like, I'm on a path of peace. I'm on a path that God has called me to walk because I'm putting aside what is expedient and maybe easier because I believe that God's way is not only right and good and it's better. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a life of repentance. I'm talking about a life of humility. I'm talking about a life that is putting God's way, again, his truth over what I think or what I feel. And that takes some effort. That takes some study. That takes some intentionality. It takes spending time in God's Word on a regular basis. It takes time talking with people who understand um, maybe life a little bit more than you do, and they have a they have a relationship with God, and out of that is flowing some wisdom, and you open yourself up to learning from them, and maybe it's reading some books, and maybe it's. Uh, just being more intentional about your prayer life. I don't know all the things that could be better in your life, but I wanna, pr- I wanna tell you that when we intentionally make those kinds of disciplines a reality of our life, it results in a, in a path of peace. I've messed it up so many times, haven't you? <laughs> I got one person that said yes. So me and her, we've messed it up. The rest of you, listen, you don't have to listen to this next part. But if you do mess it up sometime in the future, here's what I would challenge you to think. Is it, is, was, it really, was it God's fault? Was it something he did? Or, or could I have responded differently? See, the highest peace starts with our relationship with God. And I wanna challenge you to be close to him and walk his way. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah, but what about the stuff that is, it's not, it doesn't have to do with my choices. It doesn't have to do with my decisions. What about the things that it's nobody's fault? What about cancer and what about storms and what about tragedy that is completely like outside of people's control? Well, again, Luke said that he was bringing us tidings of great joy. And even in, the, even in times of confusion, even in times where circumstances that are beyond our control are heartbreaking, God has promised that we can have joy. We, again, I love that song that the team sang. Uh, please make this season wonderful because you're a counselor. You're, you're an almighty God. You're, a, you're the prince of peace. I want to kind of hone in on that word prince of peace written it by the prophet Isaiah. The word prince literally means commanding officer or warrior. This is not like a, a prince who's dressed up in fancy robes and like is getting, like having his nails done, like while he's sitting on the throne. Like that's not it. He, he's, he's fighting for peace. I want you to know that in your circumstances, in your valleys, in your darkest times, when you feel alone, maybe, you've, maybe you have blown it. Maybe you did do something that, that caused there to be a disruption of your life, or maybe it was completely outside of your control. In both instances, the scriptures promise us that we have a Prince of Peace. We have a, a father who walks in those times and through those times with us. He's promised to be close to those who are lowly in heart. He's promised to have an attentive ear to those who call out to him. And one of the reasons why Jesus came as a baby and then grew into a man, one of the reasons was is so that we could know that he experienced a lot of what we experience today. He knows what it's like to feel physical pain. In fact, I don't think I understand the depths of the physical pain that Christ felt on the cross. I don't think I fully understand that, not even close. But he understands grief. He understands what it's like to have people in his life literally pass away. He understands what it means to feel sad and to weep and to grieve. He understands what it's like to feel anxious. The night before the cross, he's in prayer with the father and he is so Stressed beyond anything that I could imagine probably, knowing what was to come. He knows what it's like to have people write him off and to exclude him and to criticize him and and to to physically, literally beat him. He knows what it's like to experience the harshness of this life. And so the Hebrews writer says in chapter 4, he says, we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is unacquainted with our weaknesses. He knows. He understands what this life throws at us. And I don't know about you, but when I am with somebody in a difficult season, that alone, just knowing somebody is there with me makes a, a, makes a lot of a difference. And knowing that Christ understands how I feel and when I'm at my worst, it makes a big difference. And so I don't have an answer for your circumstance. I don't know the answer to your problems. In fact, it may not be something that can be solved in this life, but I wanna remind you that Christ knows how you feel. And I want you to know that he's fighting for the resolution. He's fighting for your future peace. And that leads me to kind of my third thought when it comes to things that are outside of our control. we wanna make sure that we remember that eternal peace is the highest reward. See, Christ never promised us to have everything easy in this life. In fact, he said there would be trouble. But he promises eternal peace. He promises eternal life. He does promise that one day all things are going to be made right. And we talked so much about that in the previous series. And that leads me to the final thing. There is a reward of peace. There is a reward. If you're kind of thinking like, how do I boil all this down? How do I remember this? Well, we'd like to give you one simple thought. And here's the, the, the main point of today. The best news, the gospel, resulted in the greatest joy that, again, transcends our circumstances because it established the highest peace. What I've been trying to communicate to you today is, you know, I mentioned those three areas where we all long for peace. We want peace with God, we want peace with each other, and we want peace in the world. Honestly, the highest peace that I just described It is our relationship with God. That is where it must all begin. But once we do have peace with God, I do believe that there is an overflow, an outflow of peace that touches the other aspects of our lives. Um, To illustrate this, I'd like to tell you a little bit of a family story. So anybody um, have a big family? You get together around the holidays, anybody like that? Anybody have to do a family picture any time? Like not just, not just with the immediate family, I'm talking like aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins. You ever do the family picture? Okay, um, I saw a hilarious meme. If I would have been more prepared, I would have shown it to you on the screen, but it was a mom getting her, her children and her husband ready for the family picture. And it's the voice of Denzel Washington from Remember the Titans where he says, we will be perfect. It's really funny, Um, my kids kids laughed because they were like, that's like mom. No, no, they didn't say that, they didn't say that, they didn't say that. But you know what it's like to get the family picture? There's this underlying sense, you could almost hear Denzel Washington's voice, we will be perfect. And you know, like, and so moms are chasing kids and trying to pull them in and get them positioned well and don't get their clothes dirty that have been picked out for this special moment. And cowlicks are being swiped over with saliva, which is kind of gross if you think about it. But hey, like moms do what they gotta do. And there's, you know, food being wiped off of faces and, you know, and that's just the dads, okay? So like, we were getting a family picture at Thanksgiving and there's like 27 or 28 of us now, I think. And there was like a football game on at one point and we're all distracted and all, everybody's trying to get together for the family picture. And I had uh, been fishing with my brother-in-law the the beginning of the day. And so I was in the, the restroom getting cleaned up and combing my hair and everything. And I didn't know it, but the whole family was waiting on me. I was the last person, they were all in place. Ready to go for the family picture, and I was nowhere to be found. And so they were chanting. They even counted one, two, three, Matt! and they all the whole family yelled my name. And I resisted the temptation to go slower, but that's what I wanted to do. But I didn't. I promise you, I didn't. And I hurried. And I and we have um, one of one of my sister-in-laws. She's kind of the camera girl, and so she was setting up the camera. And we we're going to do that whole push the button and like it's on a 10 second delay and she's running around to get in place so she can be in the picture. So she's lining up the camera making sure everybody's in the shot. And I walk past her to drop some stuff off and head down to get in my spot and don't think anything of it, nothing. We take the picture, eat Thanksgiving. I have peace. It's a great day. You know, um, all my football teams won. I ate all the bright food and too much of it and all the things. And the next morning, my sister-in-law comes up to me and she said, Matt, I think I need to apologize to you. I was like, I don't think so, but okay. And she said, you know, I I felt like um, I was ordering you around yesterday. And I was like, I don't think so, but okay. And she's like, and I'm really sorry about that. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, you know when we were taking the family picture and you walked past me? I said, yeah. She said, you said to me, stop being like my mom. Now I've done some unintelligent things in my life, but I promise you before God, I did not say that. You believe me, right? Some of you, they're like, maybe. Well, never, I never said a word and, uh, She heard something in all the chaos and the noise and maybe some kid said, mommy, mommy, I don't know. But she thought for real that I said, stop being my mom. Now, I've never said it before either. So before you think, well, this is based on past experience. It's not, okay? So like, so she had gone the whole day thinking I had said that and I had not said it. And she came to say like, whatever I did, Matt, to offend you, I'm really sorry. And I was like, you didn't, I didn't say anything. And then it turned into kind of like a misunderstanding, a laugh, ha ha. And like, what if she hadn't come to me? Isn't it just like our peace to be ruined over something that's not even real? How many of us have tension in relationships or tension in our homes or tension in the workplace? See, part of living a life of peace is we are called to be peacemakers. Once we have peace with God, it should overflow into the other areas of our lives. And it's not very fun to always go to somebody and try to clear up a misunderstanding or to make an apology or to offer forgiveness or just to talk it out. But as people of God, that's, what we are, that's how we are called to live. I don't wanna commend my sister-in-law for taking that step and it turned out to be kind of a funny thing, no big deal. But if you don't have peace in your home or in your family, in your life, and God is asking you to take a step, I would challenge you to consider that. But it's gotta start with him first. You see how this is working? It starts with him then it works down into our relationships. And you know what happens? It begins to work itself out into our world. You know, I have other family and we have men and women that serve your jobs, your your roles in our community, teachers and politicians and lawyers and doctors and nurses and first responders. And all of us are agents of peace. When you live as a person, as as someone who is under the authority of Christ, you are going to to be an agent of peace in your world. And again, it may not like change instantly overnight, but the more consistent you are, the more faithful you are, you will look back. I'm confident you will be able to look back and maybe God will have to help us see it sometimes and say, this is the difference you made because you had peace with me you had peace with others, you actually brought peace to the world. That is one way that we can be agents of peace. But in all of that, putting that under context, Christ is going to offer us peace. He's offered us peace forever with him in heaven. And that's what we should be living for. That's his promise in Luke 2. That's why Jesus came. And that's the good news of Christmas. Father, I thank you so much for the fact that we can't have peace with you. We can't have peace with each other. But Lord, it's it's not always easy. It's not always clear how to go about it. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. Give us wisdom. And Lord, may this season truly be a season of wholeness, of unbrokenness. And Lord, may you be honored and glorified in our lives. And Lord, help us to keep it in perspective of what we are truly living for. It's not just about this life, but it's about the life to come. And so help us to be wise in that regard. We love you. And Lord, we thank you for this time of year and this, this reminder. I need it. We all need it. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for your kind attention. You guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful rest of the day. and We'll see you next week.